Friends at Shambly and East Cobb and Decatur First United Methodist Churches, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Dalton Rushing. I'm one of the pastors at Decatur First, and it's an honor to be in worship with you today. Our scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, verses 8 through 15. I'll read the scripture, then I'll say the word of God for the people of God, and our response will be, thanks be to God. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angels stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we prepare for the sermon, I invite you to pray with and for me. Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Every year on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of love. And I can't think of many better images of what love looks like than the image of the shepherds guarding their sheep at night. You know, the word pastor comes from the Latin word for shepherd, and that's what a pastor does, or at least what a pastor is supposed to do, to watch over their flock by night. That's what it means to love. Way back in 400 AD, St. Augustine, one of the first church fathers, described the job of the pastor this way. Disturbers are to be rebuked, the low-spirited to be encouraged, the infirm to be supported, objectors confuted, the treacherous guarded against, the unskilled taught, the lazy aroused, the contentious restrained, the haughty repressed, litigants pacified, poor relieved, the oppressed liberated, the good approved, the evil born with, and all are to be loved. Isn't this the nature of love? Not just for pastors, but for everybody. To keep watch to guard one another, to watch over one another in love. It makes me think different about the Christmas story, really. That in the Gospel of Luke, the first people to hear the good news of Jesus' birth are the shepherds, those people whose very job it is to keep watch over their flock at night. It tells me something about the nature of love, about the nature of God, about the message of Jesus, that the news of love was told to a group of people who were primed to understand it better than most. Not that the shepherds were thinking much about the symbolism of the moment when the angel appeared before them. The writer of the Gospel of Luke 
says that while the shepherds were doing their work, guarding their sheep, the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were terrified. I mean, wouldn't you be? Good grief, you're out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, no cell service for miles. And all of a sudden you're surrounded by the glory of the Lord. And I'm not totally sure what that was like other than clearly based on what we learn in scripture, it freaked them out. And if that wasn't enough, the angel of the Lord is standing there before him. And I know your nativity set probably has this lovely cherub looking figure as part of the menagerie but I gotta tell you I hate to tell you that if this is an actual biblical angel in the fields with the shepherds if this is the kind of angel that is described in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel well let me just read to you from Ezekiel the 10th chapter the 12th verse describing an angel their whole body backs hands and wings as well as as their wheels all four of them were covered with eyes covered with eyes now i'll just speak for myself here but i've never been covered with eyes on my back and hands and my wings but if that's how i looked I have to imagine that I'd probably be forced to start every conversation with the sentence, don't be afraid. Otherwise, how can you get to the good news of great joy if everybody's freaked out just from you walking in the room? And so it was on that silent night, silent except for all the sheep, I mean. When the angel of the Lord came to share good news with a group of shepherds who knew better than most how to recognize the gift of love, for it was their job to watch over their flocks. It strikes me that for as much as it was probably necessary for the angel of the Lord to tell the shepherds not to be afraid, the shepherds were probably already pretty brave. They must have been. I, I can tell you as a pastor that watching over my flock is hard enough when there aren't actual literal wolves running around. But for the shepherds to watch over their flock at night, it must have taken a special kind of bravery because when the darkness surrounds you, you never know just how close danger might be lurking. There's a lot actually that you don't know when you're surrounded by night, surrounded by darkness. So you've got to be pretty brave if you're going to make it through. I don't know how much time you've spent outside of the city at night where the land stretches out past the edge of your imagination and there are no artificial lights to guide you save for a flashlight you might carry along with you. People call that kind of dark country dark. It's a darkness so thick that it feels like it could swallow you whole. That's the kind of darkness that the shepherds were experiencing on that night. It's the kind of darkness that required them to be brave. And it's the kind of darkness that made them have to rely upon one another if they were going to make it to morning. But then I, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. 
To be a human alive in the year 2020 is to know darkness, to know the feeling of country dark, to know that we're all gonna have to rely upon each other if we're going to make it to morning. This is certainly an Advent and Christmas season unlike any I've ever experienced. And it's required me to dig down deep into myself to mine every ounce of courage I can find. Courage to make hard decisions, courage to listen, courage to watch over my flock, courage to love. No, I don't think it was an accident that the angel first appeared to the shepherds who were watching over their flock by night, nor do I think it was an accident that the angels said to the shepherds, do not be afraid because the truth is you cannot adequately watch over your flock if you find yourself in a posture of fear. Love requires courage. Even those fearless shepherds who lived in country dark, even the fearless shepherds needed to be reminded on the other side of fear, there is good news of great joy. Now that's easier said than done, I know. It's not like the pandemic is the only thing stoking our fear lately. Politicians love to play on our fears because they know just what a powerful force fear can be. These days, it seems like we're all afraid of one another, afraid of people who don't vote like we do, people who don't believe like we do, people who don't look the same as we do. And yet, if we are to watch over one another in love, if we are to fulfill the two greatest commandments that Jesus lays out for us in Scripture, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, if we are to love each other, we must move past this fear. On the other side of fear, there is good news of great joy. Now the congregation I serve knows this about me, but I'll let the cat out of the bag for everybody else and tell you that fear may be the greatest of my demons. Everybody's got baggage, stuff they carry around with them and in their invisible backpack, and mine is full of fear. I'm afraid of everything and everybody. But I've learned throughout my life that if I am to live out my faith in Jesus, if I am really going to fulfill those two greatest commandments, I cannot let my fear rule me. Now I wish, I wish it were as easy as just deciding not to be afraid and then saying, okay, good, everything's gonna be fine, but that's not how it works for me. It's taken me a lot of inner heart work and honestly, a fair amount of therapy to acknowledge the fear, to say, I see you there, and then to pat it on the head and tell it that I've got stuff to do to go about my business anyway. I guess what I'm saying is just not wanting to be afraid is not enough. You got to figure out how to acknowledge fear for what it is, figure out how to have faith anyway, how to love anyway. It's hard enough to move past that fear 
when it involves other people. But at least in my experience, the hardest thing is working on yourself. I've had the opportunity to watch a fair amount of interfaith dialogue in my life, interracial dialogue too. And I have to tell you, I have seen honest to God miracles happen when people are willing to move past fear toward love. But the problem is that it is hard enough to work through the fear of somebody else. But my God, it is so hard to work through the fear of change within ourselves. Maybe the hardest thing in the whole world. But that kind of change, that kind of work makes you vulnerable. It pulls your heart out of your chest and makes you walk around with your heart in your hands, open to strife, open to hearing about the lives of others, not to judge them, just to hear their story, to listen to their pain, to be open. For being open to others is at the heart of love. Tony McAleer runs an organization called Life After Hate which helps counsel members of hate groups and helps them to disengage. Tony McAleard knows firsthand what this process is like, for he is a former neo-Nazi whose job it was to recruit young men in particular to that hateful cause. And he has a remarkable testimony of change in his own life and in the life of so many others who've left the life of hate and moved towards empathy and love and restorative justice. But what is most striking to me about the work of life after hate is that when people leave these hate groups, these skinhead groups, these neo-Nazi groups, they basically get excommunicated from the only community they know. It removes all of their support system. Change requires them to move past fear, to change your heart and disengage from this kind of hate, Tony McAleer says you have to have the courage to let go. Now, I'd be shocked if there are any neo-Nazis listening to this sermon today, but I'm fairly confident that each of us has some sort of inner work that needs to be done if we are to model the kind of love that we experience in Jesus. I'll just speak for myself in my own life. Every time I've had to do that work, like the shepherds, I have ended up terrified. Just terrified. Because it requires me to take a good long look at myself, all of me. And I don't always like all of what I see. But I can tell you, because I've borne witness to it again and again and again, that there is good news of great joy on the other side of that fear if we are willing to push through it. Wonderful, joyous news, the kind of news that pierces the darkness, the kind of news we need in 2020, the kind of news that we long for at Christmas. 
if we are to watch over one another in love, if we are to love God and neighbor, we must move beyond the fear that keeps us from asking hard questions of ourselves, for it is that fear that stands in the way of love. The bad news is that it's not easy. But the good news, in fact, the best news, is that at the very heart of Christmas is this fact. Fear may be powerful, but it is no match for love. Thanks be to God. Amen.